have achieved great things today, Guardian. Don't you agree? We have indeed, Supreme Mother. We have indeed. So welcome to Series 3, Episode 1 of Conversations on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Carlin. What up? With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 3, Episode 1, the screenplay was done by Anthony Reed. It was directed by John Reed. And the episode synopsis were read out by myself. As the victorious chosen occupy the mall, Tysan's refusal to acknowledge Zoot has consequences for the rest of the tribe. Meanwhile, Ebony comes to the aid of an injured Bray and Lex, but they're not out of the woods just yet. That's the synopsis? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that always start off with something like, everything has gone to <laughs> They lost. <laughs> and the city's in ruins. Pretty much. <laughs> After a hilarious go-karting accident, the mall rats find themselves in, <laughs> in a horrible predicament. I mean, yeah, we're going to talk about that right now because the brand new season opens up with a what I found was to be a very weird time disconnect. And it's unfortunately extends to the rest of this episode. So everyone has abandoned the beach, but the Chosen have sent three of their members to ensure that Brianex did actually perish in that earlier buggy incident. And what makes it seem weirder is that they have reused shots of Ebony who's still up on the cliff overseeing everything as if she was still there in the battle like no time had passed. So like with the most half-hearted checks done by the Chosen ever, Bray and Next are pronounced as done for. I mean, yeah, what did you make of this opening scene to the brand new season? <sighs> okay, and why are you such a horrible guard? Don't you see these people aren't dead? <laughs> <sighs> It has its problems, definitely. I, I don't like that disconnect of like, like you said, why is Ebony still there if all the kids have cleared off? I don't understand why Luke would just send one chosen over 10 feet. <laughs> like they walked that far, but they couldn't just walk the rest of the way. I, Luke proves himself to be smarter than that, you know, more thorough. And that is like the laziest way to get Lex and Bray off the hook. I, I feel like. You could have had the kid take his pulse and just be bad at that or something, you know. Um, mm-hmm. People do that all the time, you know, and it was just really, really lazy. I don't know why Luke would be like, oh, they look dead? Fine, that's good. I I accept that. I, <laughs> yes, it's definitely one of the negatives, but I, I do think this is a better premiere than, say, season two was, but yeah. You know, I've, I've never really had issues with Ebony still being there because... We all know she doesn't really care for the rest of the mall rats, except for maybe Alice. But yes, he would definitely still be there watching what's going to happen to Bray and Lex, but waiting until the pot was clear, you know, because she looks after number one, first and foremost. So I'm not surprised that she was waiting until all the Chosen had cleared off and she knew what would happen to Bray. You've just highlighted exactly what was wrong with the scene. <laughs> because <laughs> everyone's cleared off from the beach, like we assume everyone has gone, all the chosen have retreated to the mall, and they've just left the buggy with Bray and Lex in it there. So Ebony had ample time <laughs> to go down and check on them. But instead, like we kind of what the scene presents to us is that after they've headed back to the mall, then Luke and the tribe are sent to check on them. Like it's 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 not like they were all there. And then oh, they just yeah. left Luke Luke there to Fair check because that would have taken five seconds. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's very weird. I don't like how it's presented. Yeah, yeah it's very awkward. 
I find it strange that she wasn't spotted up there. Um, when you think about the logistics of them all down there, if she's so far away that they wouldn't have spotted her as all of the chosen who were on the beach and on the cliffs cleared out, and we're talking a mass group of kids who were in vans and buggies and um, four-wheelers, and they were all over the place. They were on the cliffs. They were on the beach. And you're telling me not a single one of them spotted Ebony? Then that means she would have had to have been too far away to even realize it was Bray and Lex in the dune buggy. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's just mm-hmm. the logistics of it don't work for me. And I think, I, I, I don't think it makes sense that she's still there because they just established she didn't give a crap about the Mallrats at all. So why is she waiting around to see what happens to the people who crashed? Um, I just thought that was strange. Like, you, this is one of those times where we're going to see that they conveniently make Ebony have feelings for Bray just because they, you know, didn't know what to do with her in the plot, even though they spent a big chunk of season two making it clear she didn't care because she was pissed off at them and didn't want to help. And I just don't understand why she suddenly has this change of heart and wants to see if they're okay. And yeah, it, it's shoddily, like, taped together, in my opinion, to get them where they need them to be. Yeah, very awkward. Um, well, Liz, I still think season two season premiere is the greatest season premiere ever. But this this one, it's just weird. It's actually just funny. After that hilarious doom buggy incident, I would imagine they all laughed and, and they left. That's that's why they left so fast and didn't really check on the bodies because it was so funny. But the fact that I forgot his name. I know he has a name. The guy who, who checked their their bodies. Bane. Bane. Yeah. It amazes me that he doesn't check for a post or at least do like a little poke <laughs> or, or <laughs> something to confirm it. And isn't it like a chosen thing that they like take the dead bodies and burn it? Or maybe they don't. Maybe that's just for when they're alive. No, just if you are a part of the group, Bray and Lex are nothing. They're not chosen. It's not until other comments are made that they even think about it. Hmm. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's a missed opportunity. I feel like the Guardian, from what I've seen of him, would definitely love to take their dead bodies and like post it around the city <laughs> or, you know, do like a mass burning for everyone to see. Like, these are your leaders. Now they're dead. I don't know. I feel like that that would make sense for them to show that. But again, Liz would just tell me this is the wrong show. Yeah, it, it would have gone too far keeping the age of the audience in mind, if Jaffa would have just put the heads of everyone he's beaten on a spear outside the mall, you know? That would have been pushing it. Mm. Not saying he wouldn't like to. but It's just an example of the shortcut that they're going to keep, they're going to start using more and more increasingly, especially in this season, to get the players where they want them to be. You know, I mean, you have to let a lot slide to, I get what they need to do. They need to get Bray, Lex, and Ebony together and establish that. But I just feel like a, there's a time in this writing that they would have taken, put more effort into getting them there in a more believable way. And I mean, it's subtle. I guess it doesn't matter to some people, but it just becomes really noticeable to me, especially in this season. They take these sort of shortcuts and just let details slide more and more, you know, and just keep plugging away at the story and I don't know. I but again I, I do think it's better than season two's opener. 
If that's the case, then they should have just had them just drove off, <laughs> not do this dumb uh, crash at the end of season two. I don't know why they would put that in there. I guess it was for shock value. You know, leave yeah. season two with a bang and all that jazz. What a weird bang, though. Everyone else laughed at that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think we were supposed to. But... Yeah, so <laughs> we were supposed to be worried about Bray and, well, Lex. Yeah. I remember watching it that night on um, on YouTube. I almost spit out my water. It was that funny. <laughs> I think when they wrote it, they imagined it was meant to be really dramatic. And then, the rea- you know, when they filmed it, it and, and it was edited together. It just someone thought they did a great job. You know, somebody was really proud of that job. <laughs> and they looked at the final picture and they were like, look at this. But I mean, it's not a bad cliffhanger. It's a good one. And I mean, they do pick right up where they left off. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> but for the age group that, that was the intended viewers. It works. Yeah, it just feels like with each season, the age group is getting younger and younger, just slightly. Yeah, it's just weird. They should have just had them drove off. Yeah, but that wouldn't have given that sense of defeat to the mole rats. You know, it's... Ah, I wish I could have directed season three or wrote it or something. This is where this is where the writing really started to, to, to go off. They were giving us hints. Like, get ready. <laughs> get ready for the headaches. I was just thinking, this is kind of a symptom of like picking up a brand new season from a cliffhanger. Like they're trying to continue directly from pieces that they left before, even though they might not have all the same actors, might not have all the same like story threads going through, and it doesn't always work. I feel um, like yeah, just having everyone suddenly abandoned from the beach, but then like the Guardian wouldn't have left Bray's body, <laughs> as we will see through the episode, the few episodes coming. He would not have left Bray just without even checking himself. It's just, it's so weird. I don't know. I, it put me off. In this position, it's beneath him to check that for himself, though. Not Bray. Come on. We, what we uh, see in the next next few episodes. Yeah, he, fair he, enough. He would have checked. And it would, yeah. definitely would have let everyone leave the beach before checking. I feel like, I, I agree that he probably wouldn't, you know, obviously it's beneath him to check Bray for himself. Mm-hmm. But I do agree. I just... I have a hard time believing that he would just leave the beach and then send people back to the beach, which is why I always assumed that Luke and those other chosen didn't go back, but were just waiting yeah. while everybody else cleared off. But again, I, I don't know. Maybe mm. it's just, I think it's just that like Lance says, when you leave off on a cliffhanger, even a really good one, it can be hard to pick up, especially when you, I don't know, when you go with such a bang. It's, it's like Annie Wilkes has a misery. He didn't jump out of the cocky duty car. <laughs> you, you can't cheat the audience when you pick up from a cliffhanger, I guess. Mm. And yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it has that same feeling that when they made the cliffhanger, they weren't sure where they were going to go next. Yeah. Like the cliffhanger was the end. That's where they wanted to get to. And um, they weren't sure where they were going to go next with it. And so the next idea, the it just feels slightly jarring a little bit because it wasn't planned where they were going to go with it. And um, I don't know. Again, it's not the worst. It's just it does feel off. It, it, you know, all the little logistics about it feel mm-hmm. off. 
Yeah, I do agree with you, though. I never had the feeling that they went back and that Luke and the other couple of guards just went to the beach after everyone went back to the mall. I always assumed they were somewhere around that beach. I mean, honestly, would they have let Trudy get on a horse with just the two people that were walking besides her? Someone must have guarded that side of the beach. I mean, she didn't drop out of thin air. This is always a problem for the show. Every season premiere, except for the first one, feels a little bit jarring when you think about the season finale previous. Mm-hmm. There's always just something, even if they're done well, you know, even if they're picking up the, the moment right after, which most of them are picking up right after the finale, there's always something that just doesn't quite feel right. There's always something that makes you, it's just noticeable that time has changed, time has passed, it, the seasons, everything, you can just tell. And there's just something in the storytelling that always gives it away. It never feels seamless, you know? There's one very obvious thing that changes between the cliffhanger and now. Because, you know, you, you can see there something changed. Because when Trudy was on that beach, that was still old Brady. And when we get to her now, it's Georgia. On her first episode is Brady and the Brady that will remain throughout the rest of the show. Oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> oh, there's lots of changes. You can you yeah. can tell. <laughs> Just the season, yeah. you can tell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was so much time between mm. the, uh, the last episode and this episode, even in filming, that the other baby wasn't, you know, small enough anymore. Yeah, I think that's one big issue as well. <laughs> Uh, you, you'll see it with the continuity as well. Um, so that the character clothing and makeup is suddenly yeah. sh- shifted, even though no time is supposed to have passed. <laughs> the bodies. Bring them to me. But, Supreme Mother... Now! Bray has the blood of Zoot in his veins. We can't just leave him there. Very well. Once they are back at the mall, the Guardian and the Supreme Mother hold the Morats in captivity, reveling in their victory and forcing Ellie to kneel. Lieutenant Luke arrives to confirm the so-called deaths of Bray and Lex. As Tysan grieves quietly for Lex, Trudy demands to see the bodies, justifying it to the Guardian by saying that Bray has the blood of Zoot in his veins and has to be brought back. So yeah, uh, what do you want to talk about that? How did you react to the occupation of the mall? Uh, and Trudy's demand to see Bray's dead body for herself. You could just see the shock on her face. He had expected Luke to come back in there, walking with Bray amongst them. And she just she just does not want to believe he's dead. And while you see Tyson, you know, instantly grieving, you see her just, you know, she has to see it with her own eyes because she does not believe Bray can really be gone. As for the way she justifies it, it it was good thinking because that's the only justifiable reason she can give for demanding to have his body there. She seemed really surprised that they wouldn't bring the bodies back. Yeah, that too. I agree with you. I think she expected, you know, Bray and Lex to be either tied up, dragged in with them, or at least be carried back or something. Mm-hmm. Like you just left him there? What the heck, you know? Yeah, I think she she handled that very well, considering she, she's not allowed to show how she really feels about anything with the Guardian breathing down her neck. Um, she thought really quick about a justifiable reason for why 
Keith Bright needed to be brought back. And I don't think it's surprising that she'd need to see him for herself. Even her acting the way she did last season, I never thought she didn't care about Bray at all, you know? So I, I think that was handled fine. Yeah, uh, but I, I just love the looks between Trudy and the Guardian. Just, you know, you can see the conversation and the think thoughts going through Jaffa's head just by the way he looks at her when she responds like that. Because at first he's like, wait, she should not care about him. That's She should not show this emotion. But then her saying it's because the blood of Zoot runs in his vein. He's like, yeah, okay, I can see how we can use this to our advantage. As for, you know, the, the way that the mole rats respond and, you know, just even the scene where they're forcing Ellie to kneel and Trudy just says, she is no one. It's just, you can both see the discomfort, but also the pleasure of finally being in a, in a place of control over other people's lives mm. on her face. Yeah, I think this was a start for me where I started hating the city. I mean, it kind of already started season two, but the fact that these people or these, these kids are allowing themselves to be taken over by the Chosen is crazy. It's absolutely crazy to me. I like that the mall has already been decorated. I love just thinking about what the Chosen are doing in the background. So this is what we've got confirmed about the Chosen. They plant, They had a trap set for the kids on the beach. Meanwhile, there was a whole decorating team that moved in, went to the mall, uh, assured of their victory, and they started fixing up the new place. You had a horse wrangler down the beach getting Trudy ready. Like It's just, this is one heck of a stage production these guys put on. <laughs> Pretty impressive what these guys were doing. <laughs> what did you who said Jaffa must have been, you know, in the drama club? Total theater kid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's been planning this day for so long. This is probably what they were doing to the mall when they had the mall rats, like, at the hotel. Like, that whole time, they were probably just, like, had their, you know... Their stage, their key grips and stuff, their stage hands fixing up the mall. Probably why they took them out of the mall. It makes so much sense. <sighs> uh, and yeah, what was your first thoughts of the newly introduced character, Lieutenant Luke? I think it's bad. He felt interesting. Yeah, he, he seems interesting. It's a whole new dynamic for the Chosen since we've been introduced to them. Um, from the start, there didn't seem to be any particular person that Jaffa turned to and um, so the idea that there is actually a rank and file um, in the Chosen is, is a new idea and it does make sense since Jaffa doesn't do anything himself, he delegates uh, mm -hmm. so I thought that was nice I, I kind of wish Luke was introduced in a smarter way because this, this introduction makes Luke look really incompetent at mm. his job he proves that he's not, you know, and he also, you know, Joff also proves that he has very little tolerance for that kind of incompetence. And this is a huge mm -hmm. screw up that I just don't think Luke would make. So I do wish he'd yeah. been introduced better than this, than this kind of mm -hmm. slip up. <laughs> but um, I do like the introduction of him. It's, it's nice because it adds a, a dynamic to the Chosen. Yeah. And you can instantly see he has another rank than just the random chosen cards and people. 
Mm-hmm. You know, his his outfit is different. The way, you know, he behaves is different. You know, he has more of an air of confidence about him than the others. And yeah, and honestly, with what we've seen of Jaffa, I'd, I'm not sure if anyone else instantly recognized him as having been part of the Locos earlier. Oh, I did. But, but I was also I, older. Yeah, but I just, I really liked that. You know, because I was like, okay, yeah, there were these Locos the ones that split off when Ebony seized power. And it instantly gives that a little bit of no connection to the earlier season. But okay, so this is where these people went. They went with Jaffa. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I did like that. And yeah, Luke, Luke seems like an interesting guy. Yeah, it made me very curious about what would happen. And he's also one of the few others, very few other chosen to actually say something to Trudy. That's not just all hail the Supreme Mother. There's a subtlety that I do like about this. Um, like, uh, like the Chosen were always a mystery in Season 2. They were a mystery boogeyman. And they were only given a very simple motivation for what they were doing. But we weren't really given any insight to the way they function in many ways. You know, or we were only given little peaks, little windows into how Trudy's treated, treated by these people, how she's mm. viewed by these people. And this one scene, as silly as it is that <laughs> Luke didn't even verify the kill <laughs> properly, <laughs> I do really like the subtlety in this scene. Trudy, like, Luke comes and just tells Jaffa they're dead, and Jaffa doesn't question it because he trusts Luke to do his job. Trudy speaks to him. And Luke barely responds to her at all. And he doesn't respond to her demand that the bodies be brought back. I thought that was a really important Mm -hmm. tidbit, introducing you to how Trudy actually functions within The Chosen. She says, you have to bring those, you know, she's the Supreme Mother. She just gave him an order and he Mm -hmm. basically ignored it. Like, uh, no, you don't get to give me orders. That's not what you do here. And he looks at Jaffa. You know, like, he completely just goes over her head and looks at Jaffa. Jaffa doesn't say anything. Trudy has to go to Jaffa and basically, mm-hmm. you know, come up with a reason why he, they need to bring the bodies back. And only then, only after Jaffa's like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Go get him. Then Luke does it. I just, you wouldn't have assumed that with the information you gathered from season two. Mm-hmm. So I like that. We're starting to get... The, the the curtain is starting to be pulled back on how the chosen operate and how Trudy is actually treated within that group. Like the the facade starts to fall away. The the performance they put on for everybody, you get to start peeking behind the stage and how this group actually is and what Trudy's life with them actually is like. And I I just I did really like that. It actually made me think a bit on something Trudy said to May last season with a when May accused her of being like a goddess amongst them. And she was like, but it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. And yes, he meant it when she said that. It just, it was different than what everyone else assumed she meant by that. But still. Yeah. She's a figurehead. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she knows it. But that's something I, I, I enjoy, this fir- these f- um, first like, opening episodes of s- seeing her like play with the Guardian. Um, and testing the limits of her power in a way, and I kind of uh, getting a bit ahead of but I kind of miss how quickly that was put down. <laughs> I wanted more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's yeah, let's go back to the beach for a bit. 
There you go, buddy boy. It's the best we can do. What do you mean? Well, I don't know about you, Ebony, but I got places to go and things to do. But she can't leave. Bray's hurt. Look, if I don't go out there and see what's happening, you and me, we could both be hurt. Oh, you're incredible. You know that. <laughs> so Ebony arrives and rouses Lex, who helps her to carry an unconscious Bray into the woods before he abandons them and tries to get back into the sea on his own. <laughs> when Bray wakes, Ebony makes sure he knows that she rescued him. Bray immediately expresses regret for doubting her previous warnings about the Chosen. Uh, yeah, um, what did you make of Ebony rescuing them and Lex just saying <laughs> bye and going off to check out the city by himself? <laughs> Lex, what did you expect? I don't like this setup. I mean, I understand the setup. I totally love Lex, Ebony and Bray having to work together and being the start of this rebellion. Totally love that. I don't like how they set them up together. The setup yeah. is lazy. I don't like it. It's It doesn't make sense that Ebony is so concerned for these two and didn't take the chance to leave. We saw her bonded so tightly with Alice and Alice begged her to help her save the mall rats. And Ebony was like, sorry, I don't like you that much. I'm on my, I'm out, you know? <laughs> and yet all of a sudden she's just like, oh my gosh, Bray, Lex, like I'm going to risk getting caught and stick around to see if you guys are okay and I've completely abandoned my choice to get the frick out of here and come down here and save you guys um i i, I don't lex why did you bother saving bray if you're gonna abandon him immediately in, what was the point what was yeah. the point of any of that yeah. um if you all, as soon as you're like, well, okay, got him away. I'm going to go find my wife. And it's like, you could have just saved her on the beach. This is, I don't like this setup. I really don't. I don't like the fact that Lex immediately wakes up as soon as like Ebony calls his name. And it's like, that chosen should have seen him breathing. If he was that close to consciousness, like I'm and, and Bray, mm -hmm. Bray, no wonder you have such like cognitive issues nobody should be this un unconscious for this long i think i don't even think he's unconscious i think he's just sleeping at this point just napping it off so he doesn't have to deal with anything <sighs> he was tired of danny oh my gosh i i don't like the setup mm. but i like these three being together just <sighs> scotch tape and staples yeah it, for, for me it just always felt like Ebony realized he couldn't completely get out of the city because there were too many chosen or something. Because otherwise, it does not make sense to me. She could have easily gone now. You know, part of me is just hoping that she stuck around because she wanted to know what happened. She wanted to know if Jaffa would win. She saw it with her own eyes. He did. It, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I, there's no rationalizing. Well, rationalizing it for me. I, just, I, I mean, I mean the part on the beach that she wanted to see that happening. Yeah, sure. I can totally see her doing that and then being like, oh, it's just like I thought the, the, the chosen one, just as I predicted they would. I told these guys they didn't listen to me. I'm out. I, I just can't see her sticking around. I don't make any. If there was someone she was going to stick around and help, it would have been Alice. And I. I no. they, and it's never like she, she never really explains it later. It just is she's apparently still in love with Bray. And it's like, oh, how convenient. You know, mm. you didn't care when he was going to be killed by the Chosen, but now you do. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, but now all the other women are out of the picture. Sorry. No more competition. 
if they confirmed that Danny was dead, had died there on the beach, then maybe I'd buy that. <laughs> I, I suppose you could put a theory that she saw Danny getting slashed. <laughs> she, was like, she was like, ooh, rubbing her hands together. <laughs> this is it. Open window. <laughs> That's what they mean with love is an open door, right? <laughs> And see, yeah. you just, just confirmed Danny's dead, and I'm on board with that. Totally. Uh, oh, like, yeah. We will get see? to that, because, ooh. <laughs> with that, Badly handled. <sighs> like, oh, because I can totally see Ebony doing that, but you have to confirm that Danny died on the beach, and, like, Ebony saw it. was like, oh, shoot, she ain't getting up from that. <laughs> ooh, nice. Just, like, brings out her air freshener spray and just <laughs> in her mouth. <laughs> Yeah, um, I agree with everything you just said, Lex. I hate this. I just hate the setup of everything. Like half of these characters are staying in the mall. Bray and and Lex and Ebony are this kind of team. That's don't get me wrong. I would love to see them together, but it just it just doesn't fit. Doesn't make sense. I would rather have. I thought they did a really good build up with Alice and Ebony at the end mm-hmm. of season two, and I thought mm-hmm. that's where they were going with it. Like she was gonna. Oh, she's gonna save. Alice, and then maybe Ellie's going to get left behind or, or something, and then this whole conflict between them. And but nope, that's that's not what happened at all. Um, I mean, I agree with that. Last season, I did say like should have, you know, grabbed Alice because well, she's useful. Yeah, it's just it's just nonsense. And then this whole thing, I don't I don't know how to describe it. I just feel like the production, not only is the writing bad for at least the start of the season, but I feel like the production has gotten extremely lazy with just having all these characters in just one place just doing, I guess, just nonsense. Or it's mostly just the secondary characters, and they're just treating Ebony, Bray, and Lex like the kings and queens that they are, I guess. I don't know. I don't like it. They should focus on Danny. <laughs> I think that maybe a pitfall of a large ensemble and you're afraid to let like write out some of the characters temporarily because it seems like they don't write characters out unless the actors have to leave the show. Mm-hmm. They're not willing to just allow a character to be missing or unless the actor has to leave characters don't they're just they have to be there all the time even if it doesn't make sense for them to always be there. And it's very rare for a character to just not be in an episode, you know? Um, and you, it, so you, you notice, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't see KC this episode, or where was Ellie or something, because it's so rare for characters to just be visually unconfirmed for an episode. And when they leave, it's very clear that an actor had to leave. Mm. Not that, mm-hmm. oh, well, we don't really need these characters right here. We can write them out for a few seasons and uh, for a few episodes for whatever reason. I think the writing would be tighter if they were willing to do that. But this is an ensemble. And so they're saddled with having to establish every character in every episode. And it can feel like they have nothing to do because they don't. They don't really need to be here. You know, Um I feel like some of these episodes would feel less of a slog if some of the, if the Mallrats had been kind of split up and we didn't know where some of them were, mm-hmm. you know, but I get it. When you're writing an ensemble, you, you want everyone to be there. That's the drop. But it's like, mm-hmm. you've got to give them all something to do then. You know, <laughs> you, you gotta, yeah. you can't just have them standing there. Um, 
visually con visual confirmation isn't enough for the storytelling and i think they just ended up in that trap and were never willing to try anything different or experimental with the writing well you mentioned everyone has to be there it just was it just me or did it feel strange to anyone else that Celine and Ryan were just suddenly standing there with a what's going on? Like they just it's like they never went to the beach. Mm -hmm. Like they were still at the hotel and that's where the chosen grabbed them. Which that's what I assume. I I'm 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 just wondering. That's that, what yeah. I, we that's what I got. didn't see them at the beach. But I just I was just wondering that after everything that happened, why did they come to the mall then? I think they were snatched up and were like, What? you know. And that's what I think seriously happened. I think they were, you know, they didn't follow everybody else because, you know, Ryan yeah, had Ryan was probably, he'd probably been hurt and was, they were in no rush to join their friends. And, and you know, Celine's Celine, not thinking about anybody else than the bubble she was in. So I, that's what I think happened to them. They were like, we better go catch up with the others and ran into the Chosen instead. <laughs> the Chosen who were decorating them all. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder they were like, what's going on? I thought we were supposed to win. You guys really dropped the ball on the beach, didn't you? You have failed, Zoot. You have allowed his enemies to escape. You will be severely punished. Forgive me. It is not for me to forgive. It is for Zoot. We see the grieving at the mall, but it's very, very, very short-lived because they more or less instantly get the news that Bray and X have escaped, which I personally think is a mistake. But the scene does further show the Guardian's hand at how he deals with failures when he sentenced the chosen member to be taken away. Um, yeah, what, what's your thoughts on that? I hope he's dead. I still wonder. <laughs> yeah, I still wonder what he did to him because we see him for another fifteen episodes. He should have been put to death. That would have been he's great. Monk. He's amongst Jaffa's Praetorian Guards later. That's the dumbest mistake you could possibly make as a Chosen. <laughs> kill him. Just kill him, Jaffa. Throw him off the roof. Yeah, they should have burned him alive. I mean, that, that was the hint that he, he was sentenced to death. But yeah. Yeah, obviously. Obviously he wasn't, but... Maybe the headcanon is that he was uh, taken back, taken away for reprogramming. It's probably not a very pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. Mm. But yeah, I, I hated that the Morats got the news that the two were alive so quickly. Would you preferred that? Yeah, that would have left left simmering. Like, why why tell them straight away? Yeah, that's that's another drop out. Why do that right in front of the mall rats? Yeah. Um, I can imagine telling Trudy, but the rest of them. It's just it's very strange that they would do that with an audience. I feel like Luke would know this is something that he's going to need to hear in private. I mm -hmm. also. You could yeah. say that it explains why Jaffa responds so violently, because it mm -hmm. makes him look foolish, you mm -hmm. know, it oh, lessens yeah. the strength he has, the intimidation factor he has. It leaves this window of hope open for the Mallrats when they hear that their friends aren't actually dead, they're alive. It would explain why he's so pissed and needs to reassert his dominance. Mm -hmm. Um then again, it could all just be a show. Maybe that's why the ki kid wasn't actually killed and was made a Praetorian guard. He just needed these kids to think. Because we see that Jaffa's willing to do that in the future. Yeah. You know, when he doesn't succeed in killing someone, he's willing to lie about it. You know, so it's it just adds to the whole pantomime that Jaffa is obsessed with. 
Yeah, and I guess by not killing this guard, he can use that to his advantage to convince them that, see, if you repent, there are still opportunities for you. <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. Have we ever seen the Chosen discipline their own units? Ever? Off the top of my head, I can't remember any of them. It would make sense that Jaffa would want people to think that a failure mm-hmm. leads to an extreme punishment. You know, yeah. fear. Just keep people in line. But it would also make sense that he can't just kill off every Chosen that screws up, even if he's threatening to do that, because he wouldn't have any Chosen left. <laughs> they screw up a lot. <laughs> I feel I feel like you're definitely right on that. But at this point, I feel that everyone would be indoctrinated into being a chosen, even the people who don't agree with it. How did they respond to the person that didn't find Patsy a couple of episodes ago? We don't know. Hmm. We joked about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know. But yeah. we don't know. Um, that, you know, I, it's a double edged sword. If you kill everybody who fails you as a leader, Sure, Mm -hmm. people are going to be scared, but again, fear only lasts for so long. That kind of rulership just breeds rebellion and resentment and hatred, and people stop being scared and say, we're not going to live like this anymore. So it's better to make people think you'll do Mm -hmm. those things. Um, He needs the mall rats and the city kids to think he'll do those things, but he can't always do those things he wouldn't have anybody you know i'm just thinking about but i don't think that towards those who are members of the chosen he can actually kill them because he's teaching them that in death they will be reunited with the great one yeah if anything he would just give people lashes yeah so that would not be seen as a punishment for them because they'd be reunited with zoot oh or Either lashes, or he'll send them to the mines, right? Isn't that what he do to people who yeah. find him? Yeah. He sends them off. Somewhere. Yeah. Terrify them with the idea of a great punishment, and then show them Zoot's mercy. Blah, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zoot is merciful. And, well, I remember Patsy had to repent, so not sure in which way this card is going to have to repent, but there must be a way. Um, there is no repent. They should kill him. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make that kind of mistake. I personally would have done him in, like making me look that foolish in front of these small rats right after. Yeah, yeah you have I'm... to fight at that point. Fight <laughs> for your honor. Yeah, we're throwing hands. Um, I need these small rats to see that. I need them to know because you just made me look stupid. <laughs> yeah, come on. You mistake Bray being dead. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> And now he's missing punishment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you want to give him a harsh punishment, at least make it seem to your chosen that this, you know, this person wasn't a true chosen. He disgraced suit. So he must have been working with Bray. If I was that chosen, I would have been like, Luke, let's just pretend the tide took him out. Please, man. Please. <laughs> Come on. Yep. We'll just say giant crab monsters drag their bodies away. Come on, yeah, man. Yeah, at that point, you would just say that they're dead. You would just lie in order to keep the peace. <laughs> and then you figure it out behind the scenes. Oh, my God. That's yeah. a hilarious thought about the conversation. <laughs> Walk back from the beach. Come on, Luke. <laughs> Do me a solid, man. Please, Luke. <laughs> I'll clean your boots for you. 
Can you imagine Luke actually considering it? Because you have to think, Luke has to be concerned, will I be responsible for this? I was in charge of them, and I didn't confirm my, for myself. I didn't even mm-hmm. go over to the bodies. Maybe we should just pretend that their their bodies are they're dead. Yep, they're gone, and their bodies were dragged off. Like, you know, Which means Luke actually realized these guys might be up to something and might be an issue and won't just you know, run away and leave. <laughs> At some point, one of those chosen would be like, look, look, we can't go back and tell him we screwed this up. We need to find two bodies, burn them past recognition. <laughs> we got to pull yeah, a thing on Greyjoy here, okay? <laughs> yeah, but I, I think someone like Luke would have realized that it would come back to, to haunt him. Yeah. He probably realized Bray would return. <laughs> It's like I'm throwing you under the bus, dude. Sorry. I mean, he, yeah. Hey, if you're that incompetent, <laughs> I'm not going down for this one. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> I'll beg for mercy for you later. <laughs> oh well, Luke tends to be in charge of punishments at some point, so huh? you can only come back with the news that oh, they weren't dead. If you have the bodies, if you have the guys, like yep. they weren't dead, but we captured them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can't come back and be like, oh, uh, they weren't Sorry. dead and they're gone. <laughs> That's a private conversation. Oh, <laughs> uh, and to think, yeah, Ebony was the one. I would have just loved to see someone having to tell him, yeah, yeah, they're they weren't dead, so but. They're gone now because Ebony took them. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, we never checked. Ebony wasn't really dead. Nope, she wasn't dead either. Now we know who had to che- who was responsible for checking on confirming Ebony's dead. Must have been the same stupid guard. Yeah, but Jaffa can't. He has that on his own shoulders. He was there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he really couldn't blame anybody for not confirming Ebony's kill. He was literally there and agreed that she she's dead. She's fine. It's, she's gone. What's going on there? I want out of here. I'm sick of being cooped up with a bunch of stinking mall rats. Tough. Now sit down and shut up. Let me see the Guardian. What? Just who do you think you are? I'm the leader of the gulls. Leaders can't stay here. Uh, okay, yes. Yeah. Speaking of failures... <sighs> this really annoyed me. Yeah, the episode fails to completely address the missing Danny, who, as you know, was with the Morats at the beach. Instead, we get to see how Jet, who is somehow back in the wall even though she was at the tribal meeting, badmouthed the Morats. She tussles with Alice and draws the attention of the Chosen, who take her away when they realise that she's a tribal leader. And as the Guardian explains later, his plan is to remove anyone who could rally the tribes. And the Morats finally wonder, oh, what's become of Danny? Um... Yeah, what do you make of what I think is the awful handling of Danny's exit? This is what happens when you have so much time between recording a season finale and a new season and you have a character that's leaving. You have to scramble to find a way to make it work. But they knew she wasn't coming back. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's a report saying that I I believe her family was moving away and they gave notice. I can't crew. give him that. Yeah, I can't give him that. They knew yeah. she wasn't coming back, so it should have been planned better. <laughs> yeah. You know, they should have filmed it so we saw her die, but clearly they could not do that. Oh, okay. I got you. Here's the thing. They just don't care about her, right? Even with characters who we've seen 
throughout this entire series who have left without a word, for example, like Bray, they've even managed to do some type of edit to show them at least, or at least give that kind of respect to the character. They just never liked Danny. They never respected her. And they clearly knew that the fans never respected her either. And I think that in itself is disrespectful to her character. To agree with that. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. I understand that maybe they didn't realize in season two. I can't speculate what they knew about Danny's character going out and if she was going to be there for season three. I don't know. But I do know that that's happened before and they've done a better job in at least wrapping up what happened, whether it's with footage, you know, um, being, you know, just even a flashback to her being hit on the beach or just dialogue expressing what has happened. You know, we don't see Patsy leave the show, but we do get dialogue insinuating what did happen to her, you know, and Danny deserved some sort of closure. And the fact that she's mm-hmm. treated so haphazardly, I can't help but agree with Carlin. They, it's like they just didn't care and mm. completely showed her mm-hmm. zero respect. It doesn't make this dialogue is doesn't make any sense. You guys saw her. The people who were talking about this legit saw her attacked on the beach. And they're talking like they have no clue what happened and aren't all that concerned about what happened. Mm. You don't have to like Danny to think that's messed up. It just, Mm -hmm. come on, just give her an ending. Just say, I saw, you know, have the kids confirm they saw her attacked. They do not think she survived that attack, you know, or they didn't see her get back up, you know, and... Like, just, or at least they, they, or at least that they saw that they say they saw them drag her away. You know, saying just confirm it, but don't be like, has anyone seen Danny? Like Dal, you did. You saw her get bisected. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you saw her, Dal. Like it just <sighs> Dal is supposed to be your doctor. <laughs> she can walk it off. It's just bad, yeah, how everyone is just like, oh, what's happened to her? You're all there. You all saw what happened. And you're all acting like, yeah, what's happened to Danny? It's, I, I hate it. I don't like it. They were so busy watching Lex and Bray drive off into the sunset of sand that they didn't see. Mind Jet being dragged off, you know, it, make, it made sense to me because she was on the beach with them because apparently she'd been rescued from the hotel with the others and was fighting and then they lost and of course she's pissed off <laughs> the mall at the mall for getting them into this i do think it's strange that she's the only like her and her other two girls are like the only non-mall rats who were there i feel like i thought there were a few more um and but you know i, I get that i think it, it works that you know she'd be pissed off and wouldn't want to be in there with the mall rats um, and then be dragged out because she's a leader. Though I do wonder why the rest of the gulls were dragged out. Yeah, they're not leaders, you know. But I guess it works with isolating the mall rats from everybody. Mm-hmm. So that one was fine. But yeah, the handling of Danny, nah, is wrong. Mm-hmm. It'll always be wrong. She deserved better than that. It didn't. It wouldn't take much to give her just a conclusive ending and have these guys care an ounce for about that. You know, just a little bit. Just the fact that one of your own has been killed off or something. Just anything. Even if it's just, like, selfishness. Like, oh my gosh, if they could kill Danny, then they can kill any of us. You know what I mean? Just anything. Mm-hmm. Like, But there's just no response to their 
de facto leader likely dying on that beach or being dragged off or being killed, mm-hmm. just anything. It's like, oh, I don't know. Mm, shrugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just horrible. And to never, me- ne- never mention her again. Never mention her again. That's it. That's all she got from these guys. Why did you shove her, shove her down our throats then? This is how you were going to treat her. Because this is how we treat women who are interbrae and are an amber. It's like, they just, they really thought she was going to be something special when they re- they introduced her. They tried very hard, shoved her down our throats, and then probably saw that there was a backlash to her, the mishandling of her character, blamed Danny rather than their own freaking writing, mm-hmm. and, um, and then just washed their hands of her. Like, okay, that didn't work out, and it doesn't matter now because we got Beth Allen coming back, so let's just get her out of here. And let's be real, there was a lot of backlash on Danny on, you know, on the old eyeboards back then. I'm sure there was, but that's not Danny's fault. That's the writer. No, no, no. No. Yeah, writing was just not good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The show just has a horrible track record with how to handle characters that have left the show. Mm. Every single one of them. There hasn't been one positive send off. Well, I mean, I don't need the send off to be positive. I just need it to be definitive and there to be a reaction to it. Mm. You know, Paul Mm. disappears, but there's a reaction to it. It was very abrupt and they hadn't planned for it and doesn't sound like they handled it very well behind the scenes, but they at least incorporated that into the writing. Patsy has a reaction to her brother going missing. The others are trying to find this little boy who went missing and can't take care of himself. There is a consequence to his disappearance. Amber and Zandra, they die. You know, it's abrupt. They probably didn't plan for it, but they made it work. The characters react to this sudden yeah. death of two of their dearest, you know. And, and so it's like you can make it work. It doesn't have to be a positive send-off, but it should be conclusive and have an mm-hmm. impact on the characters. And Danny's send-off has none of that. Yep. Yeah. And it doesn't take much. Just acknowledge, okay, how would this character's disappearance affect the other characters and write it? You don't even have to know what happened to a character to include that. <laughs> no, because just a simple, yeah, they dragged her away. And, uh, you know, questioning what Jaffa had done to Danny, you know, that would have been something. I'm pouring one out for you, Ella Wilkes. Yeah, I think, and I think that one of the biggest things that I would want as a Tribe fan is an interview either with Ella Wilkes as Danny to really discuss about her character and what happened on the show and in her departure. Or someone needs to interview Ray and just ask him about Danny. Because we know you don't like her character, but why don't you like her? I would prefer the Ella Wilkes interview. I, I was going to say. Like, I feel like <laughs> it at least. Well, I, I want both. I want both. I feel like I'd get the more of the truth coming yeah. from her. I'm not saying that Ray's a liar. I don't know. I'm just saying that I, in my experience, creators tend to spout a lot of BS, especially years after the fact. They, you know, they spin something, and mm-hmm. um, I would rather listen to the actor who has no reason to lie and uh, nothing on the line to just tell me what went down. I would rather that. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty much all we're going to get for Danny until like the one line by Amber later on in the season. 
Um, it's like a, I'm sorry. It was just like when you said that, it made me realize there's like a quota of the least amount you can possibly do to acknowledge a character's existence, and that's what they did. Like they should at least say one line about her. You know, just one line. That's that's the least we can do. That's the least we're gonna do. <laughs> I'm imagining a chat, a chat box, <laughs> in, the, in the meeting room. Is like, okay, yeah, one line. That's it. We've done. <laughs> Check off. That means somebody was arguing against it. Yeah, <laughs> somebody did not want to, and they had to literally bargain it out over the writers' table. Just give me one line to acknowledge her. One line. Ah, oh, one. Oh, fine, you get one line. Fine. One line. Ah. Oh. I never want to hear her name again. From now on, those who transgress will be severely punished. Those who obey and show themselves worthy will earn the right to join the Chosen. Until then, you will be treated as slaves and put to work. First, you must join me in giving thanks to Zoot. Neil, you, what's your name? My name is Tysan. Why do you not kneel? I do not worship false gods. So... The hungry Morats start a protest as they demand food, but the Guardian tells them that they have to earn it, starting by repenting and kneeling to Zoot. They reluctantly do so, and in Ellie's case, she's forced to by Jack, but Tyson, of course, stands firm, causing the Guardian to take notice of her, and he refuses food to the entire tribe until she can obey. So yeah, let's focus on that. What did you make of the, the Guardian's demand and his solution to Tyson's refusal? From his point of view... Yeah, I get why he wants them to pray to Zoot first. Now, from his point of view, it makes sense because it's something they want and it's an easy way to convince people because, you know, he's gotten many people to cross over to the Chosen because he would feed them. So that being a first option, I get that. As for Tysan, instantly going, nope, I don't worship false gods. Good for her. You know, I would have... I would have actually been disappointed if she had gone along with it. So, yeah, it fits for her. I think it's a really nice moment. Um, it's one of the bright spots in this episode. Because uh, I do like most of the stuff at the mall. I like the, you know, exposition of setting the stage of what their life is going to be like now. What Like, this is what's going on, you know, for especially an, a premiere. To get you in and be like, okay, this is the rundown. I thought they handled it really well at the mall for the most part. And I really love that moment between Tyson and Jaffa. Just the simple, again, we're seeing that continuing behavior of the Chosen and how they convert. You know, it's a, it's a small concession. You're hungry. I wouldn't deny you food. You'd be denying yourself food. All you got to do is get on your knees. That's all. Not a big deal. You know, um, and most people. People wouldn't see it as that big of a deal. Like, I'm hungry. Fine, whatever. I'll get on my knees. That's all I have to do. That's how you pull people in. I like that. Um, you know, his, he's calmed down. <laughs> Probably, you know, got it out of his system whipping that other guy. And um, and I, I really love that confrontation between him and Tyson. You know, like, him noticing her and not lashing out, but actually just curious. And instead of, like, punishing her or getting violent, or anything like that, to try and scare these kids, he turns them against her by saying, well, okay, that I respect that you don't do that thing, but until you do, your friends won't eat. 
And you can even see it on Ty San's face. Like, it's not what I was hoping. I'm not trying to screw my friends over. You can see the way she looks down. Like, ah. Mm-hmm. Like, she wasn't trying to do anything like that. Um, she was just speaking for herself. And it was a smart move on his point. Because his mm-hmm. whole goal is to rip the mall rats apart internally. And this was a really smart way to go about it. Yeah, I really like that moment. And it shows he wants to suss out if there's anyone who would dare to stand against him. And how they stand against him. You know, who would dare to say no. Yeah, and you know, and you see Alice, you know, cooperating because she see she has seen what happens to people who tell him no. <laughs> and well, not just herself, but she doesn't want to see her little sister thrown off any buildings. So yeah, it's I get why everyone else cooperates. Although I, I also get why Ellie would want to go against it at first. But yeah, Tysan's refusal is fitting. And his response to that, and you know, you can see it in his eyes. He has that tiny bit more respect for her because she doesn't instantly comply. Because she's shown he's not as easily convinced by something as trivial as food. Mm-hmm. It's also the way she doesn't comply she doesn't get violent she doesn't scream and shout she's not name call she's very calm you know and she's fearless Mm -hmm. as she does it and you can see that intrigues him about her and even her reason for why it's not i won't be bossed around you're you know you can't tell me what to do you're crazy it's just i don't worship false gods and it's like huh that's interesting i haven't heard that one before you know, and uh, so, yeah, I, 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 it's a good moment to set off why she immediately captures his attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the Guardian is attracted to or let's say drawn towards Tysan is because there's so much conflict there to to meet someone who is kind of against your beliefs, but has good reasons why. Whereas everyone else is just like, oh, you're just evil. You're just this and that. And they don't really explain themselves too well. But Tyson has like almost her own philosophy on why he's wrong. And he's intrigued by that. It helps that she's hot. That too. I was going to say, I think he likes Mm -hmm. her. her, um, It helps. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) But if we're saying that, then hold on. Why isn't he attracted to Alice? I Not think it's because of her, it's her behavior. Yeah, but he he kind of he wanted to convert <laughs> Alice too. He liked her strength of character as well. Mm. So he really likes everyone. I see what you're saying. She's just too rowdy for him, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Tyson has all this, his hair. Tyson has this like her. quiet. Yeah, you know, he's like, ooh, okay. Okay, a lady in the streets. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying, Liz. I want to say something, but I don't know if it's appropriate or not. <laughs> oh, look, Ellie, babe. I'm, I'm not your babe. Okay, look, I, I just, I didn't want you to get hurt. I mean, who knows what those crazies might do? They didn't do anything to Tyson. <laughs> they could have. Okay, look, Ellie, I'm sorry, but I only, I only did it because I. Because what? Because I care about you. Okay? Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, following directly from that, Ellie confronts Jack about his actions, but she does relent when he explains that he only did it because he cares about her. While May has a go at Tysan, only to apologise after Alice intervenes and reminds her that 
Tyson's actually suffering too as Lex is missing. So yeah, so um, just briefly, yeah, what did you make of the confrontations going on here? It's a good illustration that even if everyone agrees they need to fight against something, they can't all agree on how they should do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all on the same side right now. They don't want to be here. They're not on board with the Chosen. They don't want to do what the Chosen are asking of them. But they can't agree on, well, what's the best method about you know, going against these guys, you know? And I just think that's the sort of divisions you're going to see in a group this large. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, it's just a very realistic kind of clash of personalities. And, you know, Ellie and Jack, it's establishing, like, maybe you weren't paying attention in season two. Maybe you didn't see season two. This is your first episode. It immediately establishes the connection between Ellie and Jack. It establishes that Ellie, she's got a lot of fire and she wants to fight back. And Jack is like, no, I think we need to be more compliant. That's going to set the stage for what comes next for those two. You know, it establishes that May is likely going to be the first one to break. Because you can see that she's just like, ah, you know. And But at the same time, she doesn't hate these people. She thinks of them as her friends. That's why she calms down so quickly when Alice is like, yo, chill. And she apologizes. It's just, it's a good establishment of the mind frame, the emotional state these people are in. For what's coming down the pipe. So I think it does a good job with that. Yeah it does. I mean for May to get mad. That she's hungry. And in her point of view. That's Tyson's fault. Right now. Because the Guardian was going to feed them. But because of what Tyson did. She ain't getting any food. And I get why. You know Alice's words. Have an effect on May. Because Mm. you know she's. She's suffering, Lex is missing, and yeah, May gets that Tyson cares about Lex, you know? She she gets it, and sure, yeah, sorry, you know? But yeah, for, for me, that's it's logical in a group like this. And as for Ellie and Jack, we always knew Ellie wanted to, you know, follow what she feels is right, even though it's not the safest thing to do or the smartest thing to do. So I'm glad that Jack actually stopped her from, you know, going against the Guardian at that point. Because, let's face it, she was already threatened in the beginning of this episode. So if she would have opened her big mouth, there's quite a good chance that she would not have made it. It establishes the fragility of their emotional state and their bonds. And it also is an illustration of exactly why Jaffa chose this form of punishment. Mm Mm-hmm. Because instead of being mad at him, cursing him out, you know, talking about how the Chosen suck, a lot of, you know, they're immediately looking at Tyson, like, thanks a lot, Tyson. You know, like you said, he was going to feed us, and then you had to suddenly become all righteous and couldn't, you know, <laughs> thanks a lot, you know. Yeah, they didn't feed us because of you. Like, okay. May, May says it perfectly. I'm not denying myself food. You are. It's a good follow-up because at least, again, it's following up to what happened to these guys in season two and how their bonds were fractured then by everything that was happening and the way they treated each other and, you know, one action after another. They're not very strong together right now. You know, they, they may be together and, again, they may be on the same side, but season two didn't make them a stronger group. You know, it didn't really cement their bonds as it should have. Instead, it fractured those bonds. 
And there is a consequence to that because as we see, season three sets them up as this is going to be really hard for them to stay solid as a unit and work together. Mm -hmm. It is nice to see Alice instantly defending Tysando. Alice is like, if anyone's going to be mad at Tysando, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> rest of you, back <laughs> off. She's my space cadet, okay? She's like, okay, I don't have to worry about my sister right now. Jack's taking care of that one for me. <laughs> so I guess I'll watch this one. Yeah, just a lot of missed opportunities for me. I just wish I just wish I could see these characters just in different locations. You know, like some are out in the farm working, some are here at the mall, some are, <laughs> you know, at a prayer or something. <laughs> yeah, I but just... it's that it's that early after they were captured, so I, I understand they already that. be split up like that in this first episode. Well, I well, I don't want to get into my theories, but <laughs> it would just make sense for me if the if the guardian would just look at them and like, well, out of everyone in the city, these mall rats are dangerous, right? They have plans, they're organized. I would split them up just for the sake of it. But um I agree. Yeah, but he needs to suss out which mall rats are dangerous and which mall rats you know, they're um, more rats. Can easily, can easily be conferred. Yeah, but there's some that can easily be. You know, come on. If someone. I was the guardian, I would clearly just just kill them off. That <laughs> yeah, just, but, <laughs> that's simple. <laughs> that, that that would send a message. But another message would be: Okay, look, I've managed to turn these mall rats to my side. I've turned them to the dark side. Everyone can see how mighty we are because we even convinced those mall rats to bow down to suit. I agree with you. I agree with you. Know, you. There's, some, there's some status in that. And I think he wants to suss out who can be turned first. I agree with you. Normally, in a situation like this, fear is the best power. And you want people to notice that. But when you live in a city full of stupid people, I don't think that matters. People will follow whoever. I think in this beginning, especially this being the premiere episode where everything needs to be established... I, I do think them being together does make sense, given what mm -hmm. the Guardian's initial goal is for the Mallrats. As Sabine says, his initial goal is to convert as many of the Mallrats as possible. So he has that feather in his cap to show the whole city. I mean, there's a reason they're living in the mall. It, mm -hmm. it wouldn't be my first choice, you know, if mm -hmm. I was going to take over the city. You know, <laughs> Especially like, not with the hotel there. You, exactly, you were at the hotel. Like that would be the best place to take. But the mall rat, the mall is symbolic. Taking it over, living inside of it, completely, you know, redecorating it, and keeping the tribe there prisoner. It's all symbolic. So keeping them together, so he can suss them out and see who can be broken. It makes sense here in the beginning. Um, it won't make as much sense later, but right now it does. Yeah. And they do. He does separate them. He does use separation mm -hmm. as a way to mess with their psyche. Uh, but yeah. I agree with Carlin in that later on, it would have made way more sense to mm -hmm. separate them more and ship them off to different places. And But for this episode, I think it works. Yeah, and as for them choosing them all for now, though, you know, a, a place like a hotel would have more appeal. The mall is holy ground. This is where Zoo died. You know, this is where the Divine Child was born. So religiously, it has significance. Basically, they're Jerusalem. Yeah. 
they've taken back the holy city oh wow it just occurred to me they actually set up there you know <laughs> that space where the market stalls are and they set mm -hmm. up like the little throne and that's where they tell their stories and all that stuff like that and have their chosen meeting that is literally where Zoot landed when he died. Yeah. That's like consecrated ground. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Imagining being Trudy and having to sit there every time. Yeah, it looks like she got over that a while ago. I was, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's impacted her. <laughs> I don't think she's thought about it at all. <laughs> well, maybe it was Bray anyway, so yeah, it's true. Exactly. We've never seen Bray sit there contemplating. <laughs> Staring at the chalk outline of his brother. Plus, they didn't want to build any more sets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. The, the, the mall's a great set. You don't want to waste that. <laughs> Plus, you know, it... And it but it is sets a precedent for the, what's, what keeps happening. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but right now it gives it a little bit, a little bit of... <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. It, it does make a lot more sense now, but it just sets a dangerous yeah. precedence. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but for now, it's like this big <laughs> fu against the Morads. With a look, we've won. We've taken you guys over, and now we're living in your home. You have nothing. You are nothing. I do like the setup. How they bring them back to their home, and then just make them all sleep out by the fountain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And make them their own food. I thought that was interesting. Just that setup right there. Like, <laughs> the chosen who just stand guard over them all night. <laughs> and Jordan, I thought it was weird that they thought they could just go up to the cafe and get breakfast. I'm like, you really think these guys are going to let you? They made you sleep on the floor out by the fountain all night. What makes you think they're going to let you go up to the cafe and get breakfast? <laughs> you guys are a little bit in denial about your situation. Mm -hmm. So that leads us to our final thoughts of the episode. We're not going to get very far. Not with him in that state. We will. We just have to take it easy. He's right, Ebony. It's no use. Look, there's three of us now. Lex comes along, he can help you. I ain't going nowhere. But we need you. Paisan needs me. I'm going back to rescue her. Oh yeah? And how do you plan to do that? So unable to get past the Chosen, Lex returns to find Bray and Ebony. And as the Chosen get closer, they decide to hide Bray and lead the Chosen away from him. But when they return later, they find that Bray has vanished. Could it have been something to do with the mysterious man that we see? Uh, yeah, so what do you think of that final cliffhanger? In first of all... I get why Bray was like, just leave me, you guys run, they're going to catch me anyways. And then they decide to hide him like this. <laughs> I mean, come on, anyone who searched a tiny bit would have found him. But for a moment when they returned, I wonder, I did wonder if Bray didn't just give himself up, be able to get back to Danny and give them a better chance of escaping. Well, we all know how important Bray is. Mm -hmm. So this all this had to be all about Bray, who's mm -hmm. so injured that they can't even get away, despite the fact that the Chosen not only left the beach, went back to the mall, reported them dead, I, and then and then I, I they had so much time to get away. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, every time you get hit on the head, it takes longer to come out of it, especially <laughs> if you're Bray. Bray can't walk. He. he <laughs> 
these two are lugging a sack of potatoes. I, I, I just, I can't get over the fact that they made no distance whatsoever None. by the time <laughs> the chosen return, realize the guys are gone and then have to start searching because re you, think about the logistics. When Luke returns to pick up the bodies, he still only has what, like four or five chosen with him. Mm -hmm. Because they were only going to be carrying two bodies. They didn't need a whole bunch of people. So when they discovered the bodies weren't there, they had to go back to the mall, report that to Jaffa, and then go back to the beach with a search party. And they, Bray and Ebony still didn't get away, and Lex still didn't manage to... I, I, I'm sorry, I just, I don't understand why they weren't able to get out of that vicinity. With all of that time. Yep. I mean, Lex didn't want to. I get Lex not being able to go back to the mall. I get that. I get yeah. him, you know, abandoning. And I, get him, and I get him wanting to try, you know? I totally get that. And being like, oh, crap, I can't get back to the mall. But that's not what he says. He says this place is, this area they're in was cho crawling with Chosen. He acted like he never was able to get off the beach. And it's like, you would have mm -hmm. gotten off the beach, Lex. Why didn't you yeah. just say... The city is full of Chosen. I can't get anywhere near them all. And that's why you came back. But they act like the forest where they are is just mm -hmm. got an army of Chosen. And it's like, no, it wouldn't have. You would have made some distance. You could have gotten to a building. You could have holed up somewhere. I, I don't think this was handled very well. It's not believable for me that they couldn't get further away. Because they had so many patches of time where they could have. And they've made zero progress. And how long of a nap do you need, Bray? I do recall thinking that the mystery man was the one responsible for Bray disappearing. Mm -hmm. First time I saw this. Because I, this was actually my, season three was my real introduction to the show. It's the only, it was the only season I actually got to watch while it was playing. Um, mm -hmm. I had the, like a year before I had seen a couple of reruns of season one, thought, oh my gosh, this is so cool. But it took me like a year before I found the show again. And when I found it, season three had just started playing, which was freaking awesome. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, it's a show. Cool. And I was, you know, trying to figure out, trying to remember what I, had, you know, from what I'd seen a year before. And yeah, I just kind of fell in head first to what was going on. I was like, Okay, I don't know who all these people are, but I think that dark haired guy is the reason he's not there anymore. <laughs> like he dragged him off. <laughs> See, I never thought that. All I thought was, ooh, a guy with long hair. Now that's interesting. I don't know. I just, I instantly liked uh, Pride when I saw him. I was like, there's something mysterious about him. And he doesn't look like he's part of the Chosen. You know, I, I just found him intriguing. But uh, yeah, it's just for me, it was just, you know, oh, Bray has given himself up. And <laughs> I never suspected anyone else having anything to do with that other than Bray just trying to be the hero, even if he couldn't walk just to get back. Yeah, none of this made sense. I don't know why they left them there. Yeah, it makes no sense. Well, I mean, the plan was to they couldn't carry him any longer because he was mm -hmm. useless as ever. And they thought, we'll draw the Chosen away from you. We'll take them on a merry chase. That, that was the plan. And it was, it, you know, it clearly didn't work because finally a Chosen knew how to look for something. Um, 
And that makes me think Bray just went, I, I'm here, I'm here, they've hidden me here. Please take me home. I think it's a nice mystery. You know, I, I, cause I was like, where did he go? <laughs> I remember like tuning in each week. Cause man, it only aired on Fridays. Ah, that was so hard. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> locked down and being just like, where did he go? Oh my gosh, is it, is it this dark-haired guy or did the Chosen get him? Because it took a while before the Chosen revealed that they had taken him. And um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool mystery. Like, where'd he go? What happened? Did he crawl off? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't hide him very well. Bray was like, nah, nah, I don't think so. I'm too important for this. <laughs> Take me to your leader. Take me to your leader. Do you have any aspirin? My ankle hurts. <laughs> How did you get so wounded, Bray? <laughs> Lex was in the front. <laughs> Took the brunt of the crash. He doesn't have a, a bruise on him. He's fine. He's running around. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, but Lex is used to taking a hit. And Bray's just used to being a pretty boy. Bray's got bones of glass. I don't like he and Ebony's makeup scene. I don't. I don't like her suddenly fawning all over him and him just being like, I should have listened to you. I'm so sorry. And yeah, that sucked. I, I, I can understand Bray, you know, eating a little bit of crow because, oh, clearly Ebony was right. But it doesn't undo mm-hmm. any of the other anger or frustration <laughs> he would have had at her. You know, if I, when I think about Bray, I think of him getting, having more of a righteous anger at Ebony you know, thinking like almost, I don't know. I just, I just don't see him immediately capitulating and being like, you were right along. We should have listened to you. Yeah. But you know, Bray always wanted to see the good in Ebony and then to have Ebony save him. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, if he wanted that, he would have been with her. He would have been with her in season two and like left Danny. (laughs) Yeah. No, but no, it just feels like they want to erase the dark path. They took Ebony on in season two. They just want to erase all because they took her to some messed up places and that's fine. I I think that's awesome. Ebony Mm -hmm. was great. You could honestly say she was a star of season two and like, you know, but it's like you can't take a character there and then just act like none of that happened or had mm-hmm. any effect on the people around them. You know, Ray shouldn't be so quick to just forget everything. But it's like the writers want to forget everything Ebony did and what she put people through in season two by just immediately having these two make up like it wasn't an issue because they have a new stupid conflict for Bray and Ebony to be in. Yeah, it's coming and, and the they need... And- and they need to be in a slightly better place for him to fully be mad at her for that. That's what so much of this feels like. It's all for the dumb mm-hmm. story point that is coming up. So everybody is put in these places just for that story point alone. Mm-hmm. Because that's going to be their big dramatic thing. And it's like, you didn't need that to be the big dramatic thing. You could have still played with some of the dramatics that have already been established. And frankly, I think that plot point would have been int- more interesting if you had done that. But instead, they just try to simplify everything as as if people can only have one conflict at a time. I, <laughs> oh, not, I'm not going there yet. No, it, it didn't happen yet. It's okay. You're safe. Elizabeth um (laughs) I'm just saying it feels like erasure of like what's come before like we'll just pretend that Ebony didn't do those terrible things and Bray is totally cool with her now and it makes Bray seem dumb 
it just makes him seem like his emotions don't matter and it, it, it erases every point he's ever had and the things he's said to Ebony and the things he's felt about Ebony. I, I'm sorry. You just, you need more than her rescuing him from the wreck for him to just be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. What are you, are you, are you seriously apologizing to her? That's how Bray gets when you hit him over the head with anything. It's like, yeah, it was like a reset button it's, for him. It's knocking the sense out of him. The actual sense. Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. It's just like, let's reset these two. I don't like where this game has gone, and we don't want to take any responsibility for where we've taken this game. Reset, start over. Reboot. Yep. And that's where Ebony and Bray are, and I don't like it. Yes, Lance, we have to talk about it. <laughs> let's touch on it. Because <laughs> we can't avoid it, because uh, as we get to the end credits, um, obviously I was first disappointed because we suddenly got a repeat of Abba Messiah. I was, I was all looking forward to a new, in, new end credit theme. Um, but within this, we see some surprising scenes, which include Amber, <laughs> back from the dead. Um, yeah, like, do any of you remember what your initial thoughts were when you originally watched it and you saw her back? Yes, my initial response being, what the actual hell is going on here? But she was dead. Why is she back? And, well, it, it instantly made me fear that we would never see Danny again. Because as much as I hated Danny, I hated Bramber more. Yeah, it wasn't deserving. <laughs> it, was just... it wasn't deserving. And you know what? I just talked to a, a Tribe fan the other day, and they were telling me, you're like, you know what? After all this time, I kind of wish Amber just stayed dead because it kind of ruined everything. <laughs> yeah, I just don't do well with characters returning from the dead. And, you know, I, I'd prefer to think dead is dead. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, it confused me and it annoyed me to see a scene like that in end credits. Because after that, every moment in the next episodes, I was just wondering, okay, but we saw Amber. So where is she? And why is he wearing those feathers? Shot of Beth, who looks great, by the way. I'm glad to see you, Beth. I love you. Um, if if the writers hate Trudy, they worship Amber. <laughs> <laughs> why else would you spoil her return in the season premiere? Like, mm-hmm. this is all about Amber. Now, again, I don't know what happened when Beth left. And when Beth came back. But it is obvious these showrunners were so ecstatic to have her back. So happy to continue the Bramber storyline. Because everything about the setup with Lex, Bray, and Ebony, and the disregard of Danny is all about Amber's comeback. It's all paving the road to make it just about Bray and Amber. You know what I mean? Um, everything they're doing is just for this. And uh, that's why we don't talk about Danny. Because we don't want a conflict of romantic interest. No, you know, um, we can't have Bray's feelings actually be in genuine conflict over Amber's return. So everything has been paved for her return. And um, yeah, it's like, oh, it's just really, really lacking all subtlety there. I can't say I was spoiled by it because I didn't know she had died. <laughs> <laughs> for me, was it a spoiler? It, well, if you had watched all the way through, you it would have been a spoiler. It was just this means me. that mm-hmm. you would have been like, "Wait a minute, what the heck is going yeah. on? She's dead." It was. 
Yeah. If you watch the seasons in order, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm so I'm a new tribe fan. People don't know. I started watching like 2020. So when I was watching them in order, I thought she just she she died. So I was just like, all right, yeah, they're never bringing her back. But there's like, oh, there's someone that's like taking the identity of Amber. Oh, this sounds interesting. And then when I saw her, I didn't even think that was actually her. I thought it was a lookalike. I was oh. like, there's no way. Okay. I was like, how did you? What? <laughs> yeah. Carly, the way your mind no, works. No, no, no cloning, <laughs> honey. No, but like, honestly, when season three started, or let's say when I first started season two and I saw that she died, I remember I was listening to the tribe soundtrack and the tribe soundtrack had a photo of Beth Allen older being Amber. And I was like, huh, she's that popular that they brought her back to do some more photos for, <laughs> for the album. Oh, you're and so I was deep. like, yeah, that must have been such a mistake for them to, to kill her off. And then when I saw it in season three, I was like, there's no freaking way. Why would they why would they do that? Why would they bring her back like that? For me, I was, I did recognize her though. I remember that because again, I'd only seen two episodes of season one and then I start watching the show a year later and season three has just started and they're playing reruns of season one and two and they were just at the tail end of season two. Okay. So that was on daily and then weekly I'd get season three. So I'm trying to piece all these characters together from what I remembered um, from those two episodes of season one. So when I saw Danny in season two, I was like, I thought that girl was blonde. Cause again, I didn't remember their mm -hmm. faces. That, you know what I mean? And I was just like, I guess she dyed her hair. I just thought Danny and Amber were the same person. I, because you know, Danny's with Bray and the way she behaved. And I only had seen two episodes <laughs> the same way. I thought KC was Paul. I was just a little confused about that. And then when the reruns of season one started, I was like, I see the actual Amber and I was like, oh, wait, they're different people. Oh, my gosh. So what happens to her? Where did she go? Why did the brunette come in? And then, of course, they show that she's coming back in season three. What's going on? <laughs> Very different experience. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah see, it, it, yeah, it is. It is different when you assume she's dead. She was killed in Eagle Mountain and suddenly she's standing there. And my brain just went, nope, nope give him credit for this even though i i wouldn't have spoiled the return of a dead character in my credits like that not immediately i will say it would have made me keep watching like if it were me yeah because like for example the credits for season four made me want to watch even when it was painful because some of that stuff looked really interesting and i wanted to know the context for the scenes in mm -hmm. the credit. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, this looks like it might be amazing. And then when it wasn't, I was like, I'm going to hold on a little longer. <laughs> it looks oh. like it could be good. So <laughs> yeah, but see, I, I always had issues with scenes at end credits because, I mean, we see Bray and Trudy holding that baby above a cliff, yet we never see it in a show. I kept holding on for those scenes. Yeah. <laughs> I kept yeah. holding on for those scenes. Yeah. I was like, when did they happen? End credits have always been a mess. <laughs> for, okay, yeah, don't watch the end credits at all. For all the time, I assumed we would see that happening. And I was like, but, but when's that happening? When are they going to hold the baby above a cliff and go full Lion King? It was just... Mm -hmm. So end credits confuse me. Especially when, you know, Amber did happen. And that scene eventually never did. At least not in the series. Yeah. 
for how much I watch TV, I know to just whenever I'm starting a new show, I stay away from intro, at least for like the first episode, the intro in credits mm-hmm. and all that jazz. I never watched the music videos until like season four. And I'm glad I didn't because that was just confusing. I'm like, oh, Lex and Ebony are going to hook up. <laughs> I think I would have been excited by that spoiler. But that's because I don't I'm not bothered mm-hmm. by spoilers that much. Um, but because I'm, I'm like, OK, I know she's alive, but I'd want to know. I'd be excited about like, well, how are they going to explain this? I want to know. And then I would have been disappointed when I found out. But like it, the spoiler wouldn't have bothered me. I would have just been super excited to figure out like when is this going to happen and how or you know like, how is she alive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like Amber a lot more now than I did when I first watched it because you know she got everything at first with Bray. And, you know, so it, it was. We- I know she was the antithesis to your Trudy. I get it. Exactly, exactly. But it's you know. I was like, but why? And I just, yeah, I just kept feeling, but he's dead. Why are they bringing her back if she's dead? Should have stayed dead. I don't necessarily have a problem with dead characters coming back. I think it can be done well, but mm-hmm. I think most of the time it's not. And when it's not done well, it can detract from what the death had meant mm-hmm. to the characters who were affected by it it can steal that thunder. Um, and it just seems like very few TV shows and movies want to bring a character back from the dead and do the work to get them there mm-hmm. and show the impact that actually would have on people. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm not like anti characters can't come back from the dead. It's just, if you're going to do it, recognize what you're taking on and handle it. You gotta, you gotta do it right. You gotta finesse that, you know, and, Unfortunately, most of the time they don't. I, I do recall just wondering, oh no, I hope they're not going to make her have amnesia or something like that. Would have been better off. I was, I was just going to say, like, has any show actually done a returning character from Back from the Dead well that you, that you know? Uh, mm-hmm. I thought Zoot as an AI was perfectly done. Oh, stop. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are not talking about that. Yeah, listen to me. They gave me exactly what I wanted. <laughs> There's one show I think might have, but keep in mind, I haven't watched the show in a very long time, so this is based on what I remember feeling at the time. Buffy the mm-hmm. Vampire Slayer killed off mm-hmm. Buffy. And then brought her back. Mm -hmm. And I recall it was not a happy experience. It was actually very dramatic and horrible for Buffy to be brought back from the dead. And in like that one, it was literal. She hadn't like, oh, we thought you were dead. She died and was brought back from the dead. And -hmm. instead of it being this joyous thing, it was actually horrible. Because in death, Buffy had found peace. And like had found an end to this endless fight of being the slayer and suddenly she was alive again and it it was all Mm -hmm. back you know and i thought they handled that pretty well like you know they actually confronted what would that be like to have someone come back from the dead how would that affect them how would it affect the people around them so that's the only example i can think of off the top of my head uh i could name plenty of plenty of characters but we don't have the time for it that have done he he said that did it well, not just... Yeah, did it well. I can name plenty of characters. What, that died and came back? Well? Uh, 
Darth Maul. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough, fair the enough. Nose, like that was lit. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> we love Darth Maul. Um, mm. Yeah, well. It's very rare. It's we don't have the time. Well, <laughs> I was going to start naming some Dragon Ball Z characters. Oh my god. It's supposed to be good examples. Good. Those are good examples. We need it, Goku. <laughs> to, 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 be, to be fair, I do remember that because that's one of that was one of the few shows that I'd already watched back then that did that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking if there's any Good things they did, because, you know, you had, I mean, you had Phil Coulson in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that came back from the dead, but it wasn't, yeah. There are countless of seasons where they've brought back on Power Rangers that were amazing. (laughs) I think there's a difference between a good resurrection, whether the person was dead or not, or just thought to be dead, and something that the audience can just accept. Just because you can accept that a character is back from the dead and be okay with it doesn't mean they did it well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I do think that comes into play. You yourself may have been like, oh, I'm cool with that explanation, yeah. but it doesn't mean they did a good job bringing that person back from the dead. You're just, you're okay you're with just it. Like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Fine, you know? So I, that also, I, maybe it's, um, you know, a personal thing, but when it comes to writing, I, I do think you can dissect whether the writing handled it regardless of how the audience received it um, but, but yeah we'll, <laughs> we will get into the nitty gritty of Amber's return <laughs> in another episode but I mean just, just to close that off like, what, what were your, do you know what your original thoughts were about having the end credits be the same Like, I'm, I'm a big buff of like intro and end credits Like, what were your thoughts a part of me was sad that we didn't get new end credits. Another part of me felt it tied it it meant that we would still continue for a longer period of time with, you know, the chosen storyline. So that part of me was pleased. I think if they had changed the music for season three, I would have just accepted that's what they were doing every season. And season four mm-hmm. wouldn't have been so jarring to me. But because seasons two and season three had the same outro music, I thought, oh, season one was just a fluke. And they they landed on this. This is this is this mm-hmm. is their banger. They found it. And when you got a banger of a theme song, you stick with it. You know what I mean? So I think it's like they they needed to make up their mind. Were you gonna change it every season, or were you gonna stick with one? You can't go different song this season, same song these two seasons, another different song. For me, that was jarring. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Why did you change the music now? <laughs> If you change it every season or just stick with one song. I know that's a stupid thing to be like hung up on. No, no, I get it. Mm-hmm. It really bothered me. I was like, where's my Abba Messiah? What the frick is this? Yeah, they should have changed it up. They need new music. You've trained me now. I'm Pavlov's dog. That's a song <laughs> I associate with the show. And now you've changed it. You can't do that to me. I, I think it might have been beneficial if season three had its own theme music, and but I get it. Abba Messiah is a banger, you know. It's, it's a certified hood classic. They'll never get rid of it. it it's good, so I can understand why. Like, mm-hmm. why do we need a new one? This is great. And season two is also when like the albums came out and all that music came was popular, and 
Um, I think I read somewhere that they didn't even know the show was popular in season two until they realized mm-hmm. they, they had like gone overseas and other places and it was huge in those places. And um, so, yeah, like I get why they didn't change it at the time. Okay, cool. Uh, that brings season three episode one to a close thank you very much to the panel and if you'd like to take part in a future episode of the podcast please send us a message on our facebook page or on our website thetribe.co.uk well so we'll see you next time for episode two until then bye bye later days bye